I'm your BFF Heather, and I'm also lucky enough to be the host of this show. I'm a perfectly imperfect wife, mom to four, ages ranging from 10 to 24. And in this space, you will hear honest conversation and learn to pivot in life to do all that God is calling you to do. We're in this together, and we are not afraid to do scary things. Hello, gorgeous. I am so grateful that you're here with me today. I want you to get ready because we are about to hear some words of wisdom from a very special guest. This guest is the real deal. And many of you already know her and love her. Her name is Crystal Payne. She is also known as the money-saving mom. Crystal wears a lot of hats. She is a wife, a mother to six, a foster mom, a blogger, a speaker, an author, and podcaster. Her most recent book is titled Love-Centered Parenting. Crystal is going to inspire you to show up in whatever season you're in. So let's go now to the conversation. Hi, Crystal. It's an honor and pleasure to have you here with me today. Hello, Heather. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I discovered you on Instagram and it's so interesting because the week that I saw your post, I can't remember what quote that you posted that, that drew my attention, but that week, one of my LPs, those are my little preciouses, LP three or four, I can't remember which one, their Bible verse for that week was Ecclesiastes three. And I'm going to read one from Ecclesiastes three. I'm going to read verses one and two to you. And I think that you will see, okay, to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And when I saw your picture with your baby that you were fostering, I said immediately my mind went to a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted because I have learned in life that there are times when people plant things But that's, that's their job. That's as far as it goes. And it's our job at that point to pluck up what is planted and take over. I think Mm. God positions us some in, in places where he needs us the most. And when I saw you with that precious baby, I just, my heart, I just said, she, she is in a season to where, and I know that you have a lot of other things going on. You're an author, you blog, a huge blogger, Crystal. I'm so impressed with all that you do, but you in this photo were having a quiet moment with this baby that you had plucked up that someone else had planted. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what, what led you to foster care first of all, because that can be a very scary and intimidating thing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of families, they consider it and we're an adoption family. I've had, I cannot tell you the number of women that have come up to me and said, I've thought about it, or I've always really wanted to adopt, but yada, yada, yada. And I always feel sad because I think of all the blessings that we miss out on when God calls us to do something, but we don't act 
There's mm-hmm. so many blessings that we miss out on. And you, you know, when you adopt people think, I think their initial response, and I don't know about you, I would love to know what others reactions have been to your situation, but they'll say, oh, this child is so lucky. This child is so fortunate. And we're the ones who benefit. We're the one, I mean, the, the, the lesson is in the, the blessing is in the lesson and there's so many lessons from adoption. Do you agree? Yes. You know, we never set out thinking, oh, we're going to be foster parents or adopt someday. And our story is just, God wrote the story that's very different than what we could have ever envisioned. My husband and I have been married for almost 19 years and we wanted to have a large family. We had three children. They're currently almost 17, 14, and 12. And then we had 10 years of secondary infertility. And that was a really hard season for us just because our hearts longed for more children, but at the same time, we wanted to be content where God had us. And we had to really process through that and work through that. We ended up doing um, infertility testing and then finding out that we weren't even candidates for IVF. Um, There was just, you know, the doctor was like, you can spend the thousands of dollars, but it's not gonna work. Like you are not going to be able to conceive a child. And so we just had to really grieve that loss. And in that season of grieving, some of our friends were fostering and we started walking alongside them. They were fostering this sweet little girl and our eyes were just open to the need. We had no idea that in our area of the country, we live close to Nashville, Tennessee. It is a fairly wealthy area. We didn't know that children were sleeping on DCS couches because there were no homes for them to go to. There were no foster families that could take another child. And we just started hearing the stories of these children that they were getting called about that they didn't have room in their home for. And we started looking around going, well, we have room in our hearts. We have room in our home. What is God calling us to do? And so we went to that initial session. It was a introductory class where they just answer a lot of questions. And we honestly were just showing up thinking maybe we do respite care, which would mean that we would help a foster family for 48 hours on a weekend, take their children to give them a little bit of respite. But after we went to that initial class and just, you know, really heard about the need, I remember getting in the car with my husband and just being like, we can't turn around now. Like we cannot not do something now that we know And so we started in on the classes and it's a lot, as you know, you know, with adopting, there's so many different things that you have to do. So many, so much paperwork you have to fill out. So many people that have to come in and check your home. So many things that you have to lock up and baby proof and just like (laughs) on and on and on and on. And, um, we were in the very last, um, week of our home study. And then we were going to get license for approval. And so we'd done everything. And that very last week, I started feeling all this weird stuff hormonally and um, feeling like something is really out of whack. And I thought, maybe I'm going through early menopause. I mean, it was only (laughs) 38, but I thought, I mean, I don't know, this is really wacko. And so we were going to call my OB and um, just say, can I get in for some testing? I think something's off. 
And my husband was like, well, you know, they're going to ask if you've taken a pregnancy test because you're two weeks late. So just take a pregnancy test and then we can call them and tell them, you know, it was negative, of course. And I took the pregnancy test and it was positive. <laughs> it was just like, we were just in shock. And yet at the same time, we're like, well, we just spent months going through all of this to be licensed as foster parents. And now, okay, God, what are you calling us to do here? And so many people just assumed, well, like we got that thing that we wanted. Um, right. So why are we going to continue on with foster care? But we're like, no, God's called us to this. And he's writing this story that is so different than what we envisioned. I mean, we just mentally prepared ourselves for having those children in our house. We didn't know it was going to be a biological child too, but, and so we continued on and we were able to then do some short-term placements um, for some older children. And um, we quickly realized that just with having our own older children, that that wasn't the best fit for us. And so we, um, you know, we're looking for maybe an opportunity to foster a baby. And so then we were about ready to close our home because I was getting ready to give birth. And they called us about this little boy that was in the NICU. And we just knew we had to say yes. So four weeks before I gave birth, we brought home um, this little boy from the NICU. And he was with us for eight, a little over eight months. And um, it was a roller coaster of a ride, not only having two newborns in the middle of 2020, and um, but also just walking with his birth mom and learning to love her and seeing God change my heart. Because the first time I met her at the NICU, she was in rehab and um, it was really hard for me to love her because I had- I, so I understand. So much anger towards her and yet, I just started praying, God, help me to love her as you love her. Help her to feel your love through me. And God just transformed my heart over those eight months. And we are just so proud of her. And we are just, I mean, I can't even express to you how much we love her and think the world of her and have seen her work so hard to get healthy. And she was able to get her sweet little boy back, which was the hardest thing for us to say goodbye. But at the same time to say, you know, if our hearts can be broken so that another family can be made whole, that is walking in Jesus steps. That doesn't make it easy, but it makes it worth it. And so we were able to do that. And then in March of this year, we said yes to a sweet little boy who um, was eight months old, but very, very tiny and malnourished and um, had a cleft lip, cleft palate, uh, G-tube, Down syndrome. Uh, came to us in the middle of the night. We had no clue what we were doing. Um, and he was in really bad shape. Um, and we just felt this in our hearts, we were supposed to say yes. And so he's been with us for over nine months now. And God has just changed our hearts so much in the process of just the opportunity of getting to love him. And at first, when he came to us, I was like, and we knew that there was a good chance it was going to be leading to adoption. And we just were like, this is too much. Like we cannot, like thinking of the future and all of his medical needs and all of that, we're like, we can't do that. But God changed our heart through so many different things and events and just showed us that, you know, this is what he's called us to. And then he just, we're so attached to this sweet little boy and to realize the thing that we thought that there was no way that we could do. He's 
become the greatest blessing to our family. And like, we can't even imagine life without him now. Yeah, I I can totally relate to everything that you just talked about. I mean, I, I just, the hardest part to me, and I have never fostered for an extended time period, but the social worker that did our home study came to our town to pick up twin babies from the hospital. And at the time I had a five month old. And so the twins came directly from the hospital to our home for two, two nights. And one of them, you know, you're not supposed to sleep with a baby. I shouldn't say that I did, but I might have slept with one of these twins (laughs) and it was the hardest thing for me to give this baby back. And that's what, I think that's what really, I mean, I mourned, I cried and cried and cried when the babies left and one of my daughters cried. I mean, it was just, it was at Christmas time. It was, it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. And so the fact that you were able to do that and meet this birth mother exactly where she was at that time. I think that that is one thing about fostering and adoption. It really teaches you to meet people where they are. Yes. And I think it also changes your perspective on so much because for me, um, I, I think I probably always had a really critical attitude towards people who made choices and, you know, were pursuing a lifestyle that looked like it was very detrimental and and all of that and destructive. Um, But then once you get to know people and you hear their story, we can't even imagine most of us what it would be like to not have anybody to turn to, like to be in a crisis situation and have no one to turn to. And that's where so many of these moms are. They don't have resources. They don't have support. They don't have help. And they have only had examples of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so that's all they know. And they've had just years and years and years of patterns of dysfunction that have been, you know, just modeled for them. And so their coping mechanisms are all they've ever known. And so it's easy for us to stand in a very different place and point a finger when we've never walked in their shoes. And so God just really changed my heart to just have such a heart for these mamas and to just love them and to recognize the trauma that they've been through. And that, you know, I feel like so often they're just doing the best that they know how Mm -hmm. with the little bit of resources and the little bit of anything that they have. And so that's, what's just been, it's just how God has changed my heart so much. And then walking through that experience. um, And now we get to be an active participant in um, this little boy's life. He's 22 months now and we get to babysit for him while his mom works a few times a week. Last night, she just texted and said, could you take him tomorrow? And we're just so grateful to have that relationship with her. And we know she doesn't have a lot of support. And so for us to come alongside her and say, for the long term, like we are here, we are with you. 
and we're cheering for you. We're on your team and we want to just come around you and do what we can to just help you because you've got so much on your plate. And so just to have that heart and yet at the same time, we learn so much from her, you know, and I feel like she has taught me so much as I see her strength and her resilience and how hard she's worked and how much she loves her little boy. And, you know, I feel like all the things that she does for him and pours into him. I'm like, if I was in her shoes, I mean, I don't know that I would have the strength and the energy, but she just keeps going and she keeps showing up. And so um, she's really taught us so much, but then it also kind of helped prepare us for our next placement with a little boy whose birth mom loved him so much, but just couldn't care for his medical needs. And so yeah. to be able to just, you know, say, how can we, come alongside her and love her and pour into her and advocate for her and fight for her and, you know, just walk alongside her and just surround her with love. And I think, you know, having to let go of the little boy, you know, for the first placement and walking through that grief has given me so much more empathy and compassion for our little, our little boy now and for his mom and, you know, her giving him up voluntarily surrendering her rights for us to adopt him, you know, and just thinking of the grief that she's processing. And so it's just giving me a lot more compassion for her. You know, and that, that is one thing that I always tell people, especially adults who, who are adopted. I, I, I love to tell them, you know, you were so loved because the fact that you've seen the other side, once you've seen the other side, you, I mean, these children, they are so loved for these mothers to make this decision for them. And as far as the, the little boy coming and visiting each week in your home, Crystal, that is a blessing. And what your children are learning from this. I know I've had conversations recently with people about just, I feel like there's a lie that's being perpetuated right now in our society that it, it terrifies me. I don't know about you, but all this focus on self-care, are you seeing, I mean, it's just, it is all about self right now and the belief that we should focus solely on ourselves, self-improvement and that happiness will come solely from concentrating on self. This terrifies me. This is what, this is what our children are being shown daily. Mm. And you're, you having these other children in your home and showing them and teaching them, you know what, when you focus on others, that's where the joy is. That's where the true joy is. I feel like I have so much fulfillment in my life now, even though it's tiring. You know, Um, I mean, I have a we have the 22 month old that we care for all the time. We have a 19 month old. We have a 16 month old who has a lot of special needs, and now I'm expecting again. And so it's like you know, just there's so so much. It's life is very full, um, and yet there's my heart is so full. And like you said, I feel like pouring our lives out for others and just living sacrificially with our hands open um, and our hearts open to what God is calling us to. There is so much joy in that. And I feel like, you know, there's this thing out there of like, we, we pursue comfort and ease. And yet if you look at the life of Jesus He never pursued comfort and ease. And if we're supposed to walk in his steps, then we should not be 
just pursuing safety and comfort for our lives, but being willing to risk our lives, give our lives away for the sake of others. And I just constantly think of these children who are in foster care, no fault of their own. They're in foster care. They have no choice. They, they don't get to choose. And so for us to kind of selfishly, you know, stay in our safe little bubble in our comfortable home with all this space and, you know, to just because we're scared. Yes. And yet they have no choice. And to think of how scary it would be to be ripped away, you know, that's the only way I can describe it, you know, to be taken away from everything that you know, and to be in this DCS office, you know, you have no clue. Some of them, I was just helping one of my friends. She um, was uh, taking care of a two and a half year old and an eight month old. Like they have no clue. And they were in the middle of the night. They were taken from their home because it wasn't safe. And, you know, and just to think of how that would be. And so I think that is what I think of so often on those days when it's hard and I'm tired. And I think, but these children have no choice. And so, you know, for us to step into following Jesus steps and giving our lives away, because that's truly where the joy is. It is. That's where the joy is. It's not the focus on self. You also posted a quote, I'm going to read it, that I absolutely love. And I got this mental image of you, Crystal, because I had seen a picture of your entire family, your babies. And I could just imagine you, I mean, changing diapers as fast as you can. Somebody wants a snack. You've got to help somebody with homework. And here's your quote. It's hard to throw stones if you are busy washing feet. And I thought that is so, so true. It is so true. I feel like the last year or uh, the last two years of fostering has changed my perspective on so many things (laughs) and what really matters I remember we were walking through a really difficult season where it was kind of one of those, you know, it was life altering stuff that was being decided by a judge. And I just remember how heavy it felt. And there were some people that we knew that were having this argument over this really petty, petty thing. And I, I had, it was everything that I could do just keep myself from going into shaking them and being like, do you not understand that children's <laughs> lives are at stake right now? And you're arguing over this, you know, but it's right. just helped me not only to just have a lot more compassion and understanding for trauma, you know, and how trauma affects people. I think so often when we encounter someone who maybe they seem really difficult to work with, maybe they seem like they just really have a very negative attitude or just, seem rude or unkind. It just reminds me, I don't know what they've walked through. I don't know what burdens they're bearing and heaviness that they're carrying and what trauma they've gone through. And so it gives me a lot more grace for other people and the wounds they might have, but also it just helps me to remember what matters. And, you know, I feel like there's so much in my life right now that it's just, stuff doesn't matter. Like we can get Mm -hmm. so frustrated and bent out of shape and worry and overanalyze about these things that it's like in the grand scheme of things that doesn't matter. And so it's just helped me to just kind of let a lot of stuff go and just focus on those few things that really do matter. Yes. And you don't have a lot of time to focus on things that don't matter, Crystal. (laughs) Okay. Another quote. I just, I 
I pulled some quotes off of your site because I I love I just love everything about you, Crystal. I truly do, do. What feels like the end is often the beginning. Mm. And you mentioned that you had an infertility issue, which I can totally relate to that after my first child and you, you do, you think this is, this is it, this is the end. And then God opens up this door that you just, you could have never imagined for yourself. Do you look back and I know that I I was going through infertility treatments in Birmingham and we were coming back from the beach and I had three out of the four children in the back seat. We had dropped one off in North Carolina at camp and we passed by that hospital and Crystal, my heart sank. I mean, the sadness, I was overwhelmed with sadness when I looked at the hospital. And then I looked at the three faces that came along in my life after the hospital. And I was like, this is God's grace. This is God's grace. Do you do that in your, in your life? Do you just look at all these children after that period and think God knew he always had a plan. He knew who was supposed to be in my home. And do you do that all the time? I mean, cause I think of if God had given me what I wanted when I wanted it, I look at these two little boys who mean the world to us and think, I know, you know, there are no ifs in God's kingdom, but I know they would not be in our home. And I think of how God has expanded our heart in so much. I mean, even just for birth moms and getting to love them and walk with them and care so deeply for them. And I know that wouldn't have happened either. I mean, I, my hands would have been full with other things and, you know, I can trust God's, however he writes our story, but I look back and I see, you know, 10 years, 10 years of waiting and it not making sense. And yet God was writing the story during all of those years. And so many opportunities that he gave us during those years, we got to travel and be really involved in the ministry in South Africa and um, minister to hundreds of vulnerable children there. And we're still really involved in that. We would have never done that and got to go to India and be really involved in ministry there with children. And, you know, just these things, these doors that got opened that had our story been how I wanted it to be, those doors would have never opened. We would have never had the ability to walk through them. And so I just always feel like God writes the best stories. And how can we, where we are right now, be choose to be content, choose to say, okay, I know you're writing the best story. And I know that I can trust you for the ending, but here's where you have me right now. So how can I be faithful in the here and now. Who have you called me to love? Who have you called me to serve? Who have you called me to pour into? Who have you called me to nurture? I think so often we wait for where we want to be to start doing that thing that we think we're supposed to do instead of realizing God has a calling for us right now in the here and now. So let's start right where we are. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that when we're in the desert, when he puts us in the desert, And there are things that we want. We have these desires of our heart, but during that time, that's when God prepares us. He uses that, that time and all these experiences to prepare us for his plan. Mm -hmm. And that I believe that's what he was doing with your family. Mm -hmm. I think it also gives you so much more gratitude. Yes. Yes. So much gratitude 
I mean, I think of whenever we found out that we were pregnant with Kirsten, who's 19 months now, and just thinking like, I never thought it was going to happen again, ever. Like I had completely grieved the loss of I was ever going to have another child. And so then usually pregnancy is really hard for me. And um, birth and the after is usually really pretty simple for me, but the pregnancy part is really hard. And I just remember thinking, I am just going to choose to be so grateful for every single ache and pain and every single time I feel sick to my stomach, every single one of these things, because this is all a gift. It, yes, you're exactly right. It's all a gift. Okay. Another quote that I love that you, that you put out there, life will never be perfect. There will always be good mixed with hard. And I believe that when God calls us to do things, he never promises that they'll be easy. There are going to be some hard times. What would you say to a mom who, or a woman, and I'm thinking of several women right now who are facing infertility or have lost babies. What would you say to them if they're considering fostering or adoption? I think the biggest thing is that I always want to encourage people, don't place your hope in a child unless it's the son of God, (laughs) because it is so easy for us to think that, you know, adoption or having a baby or fostering a child, that's going to somehow fill this hole in our heart and to realize that only God can fill that. And so I think to first find our joy and our hope in him and to start from that space, because when we're filled up with his hope and his joy, we're so much more effective to be able to love others well. And so then we're not loving from the space of selfishness. What can I get from this? How is this going to fulfill me? But how can I just be a vessel to love others? Um, But then also I think, you know, if you're scared why are you scared? Like, what is holding you back? Um, what are your fears? And really to look at that in light of Jesus. Um, I know when we were considering adopting um, our little boy that we have now, and I had a lot of fears, you know, just thinking of the future. I mean, Down syndrome is an irreversible diagnosis. And I know that for the rest of his life, he's going to have um, needs. He's probably going to need to be have full-time care for the rest of his life. And there might be a lot of medical things that come up and, you know, just thinking of, I realized that a lot of my fear was based in, in my own selfishness. Like I was afraid of what this was going to mean for me long-term. And I just kept thinking what Jesus has done on my behalf and how that is not a valid reason to say no. And so, you know, just really looking at what is God calling you to? I feel like if you're married, um, is your spouse on board? And if not, trusting God that God can move in your spouse in his timing. And in the meantime, who can you love and pour into and nurture? That's the thing that was so helpful for me when I knew that, okay, we weren't going to be having any more children, according to the doctor. Um, Just looking around me and saying, okay, God, who have you called me to mother? Maybe I didn't biologically birth them, but I can mother and nurture. I have that, I have that inborn desire. So who can I pour into? Because like you talked about, there's so much fulfillment when we pour out and it's so easy for us to sit there and feel sorry for ourselves to sit there and be sad. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging our pain and our loss. Then I think to 
really funnel those desires into a way to serve and give and walk alongside in our community. And that's going to give us then that fulfillment and joy that comes from living with our hands open. Oh, Crystal, that was so good. That was so good. That's, that's the point. I think that a lot of us are missing right now. That's a a lot of us are missing that point. And I, I always say, if you want to see the face of God, adopt a child. It, It just that, I mean, children are a blessing no matter how they come. But if you truly want to see the face of God, you just, there's so many blessings and blessings, like we said in that. Well, Crystal, I want to thank you so much for your time and your encouragement. You are so encouraging. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me get to talk about one of my topics that I'm super passionate about. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Yes, me, me too. I'm, I'm extremely passionate about adoption and just caring for others. So I appreciate you. And I'm going to get, tell everybody how to follow along. So do you want to share your, I want you to share the title of your books. Yeah. So I have written four books. My latest book is called Love Centered Parenting. And um, it was really written um, from a space of not that I've got it all figured out, but a space of I'm in the trenches and parenting is hard, but God is faithful and um, what it looks like to hit rock bottom as a parent. It's um, the story of four years ago, one of my kids walking through a really, really difficult season and what God taught me through that and how he changed my heart and taught me to parent from a different space and a space of rest and joy and what it looks like to be filled up with God's love so that we can love our kids well. Oh, I love that. But yeah, parenting is hard, Crystal. <laughs> it is, it's worth it, but it is hard. You are exactly right. But like we said, when God calls you to do something, he never promises that it will be easy. Well, thank you. And I hope that you have a great rest of your week. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. To discover ways to connect with Crystal and support children in your local foster care system, visit our show notes and our website at lifecoachbff.com. Thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode or have benefited in any way, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It would mean the world to me. Also, take a moment and be sure and subscribe because we have a lot of exciting events coming up and you are not going to want to miss out on anything. Come say hello on social media. Stop by Instagram. It's at LifeCoachBFF, Facebook at LifeCoachBFF, and also we have started a small private group full of lovely women like you. It's called We Are Your BFFs come join. We'd love to have you. Can't wait to see you again next time. This is your BFF Heather from Life Coach BFF Show.